0: My Golf Spy readers, we're back with a uh, second edition podcast of Spy versus Spy. We've got Tony Covety, the editor of My Golf Spy, and myself, Adam Beach, the owner of My Golf Spy. And today, we're going to talk PXG and some new irons. <laughs> so, before we get this started, let's kind of rewind and go back to 3 years ago, Tony, when we published an article, I think it was the very first article anywhere about PXG. And we basically told people that the industry was better be ready for a wake-up call. And we got uh, a lot of negative feedback and people saying that they would be out of business in six months. And we were crazy and we were on the take and we had sold out. So let's zip three years in the future. And let me ask you, what do you think about that? And do you see any sign of them going out of business?
1: Uh, No, clearly that going out of business thing has not happened. Uh, I would say they reached at least if bob is to be believed and i don't know you know why you wouldn't take his word on something like this they reached not only reached profitability but they did so much faster than they anticipated and there doesn't seem to be any real limitation to that lasting you know it's, it's they're not going to go belly up tomorrow or the day after that by any stretch of the imagination uh, my sense is they're they're doing really well
0: that brings me to
1: this one quote
0: tony that i love from bob and i think it kind of captures the essence of pxg and bob parsons and he told me adam if you ever want to win a farting contest you have to be willing to shit your pants and i think he has clearly shown that he is willing to shit his pants with pxg would you agree with that tony
1: he's he's definitely all in and i would say fearless uh not intimidated by the golf industry even a little bit and he's always done things on his own terms he's going to continue to run his golf company on his own terms and you know, there's certainly a risk in that, but but so far that risk has uh, has more than paid off, I think.
0: Yeah, so they've grown incredible amount. So how many employees do they have now compared to when we first met them? Uh,
1: I think they're up to 170. In fact, you know, the first time we went to PXG, right, you remember they're operating out of these, these two trailers double-wise. I mean, really nice trailers, but, but nonetheless, they're basically trailers on a golf course with – and it was just a single golf course at that time. Since then, you know, three years removed, they moved into a new headquarters, quickly outgrew that building, uh, moved into a second building. So kind of splitting employees between two buildings. And, and Bob certainly hinted when I spoke to him that he's about ready to buy a third building for PXG. So, you know, that that is just incredible growth in terms of the you know, sort of the local staff. And that's before we even start talking about what he's done at Scottsdale National Golf Course, which is absolutely incredible as well.
0: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, man. I mean, I've never seen, in my almost 20 years in the golf industry, I've never seen anything like this. And that gets me to the kind of the next thing you and I were talking before about, why is this different? You know, there's all this outrage with price and all these things, and customers just, you know, who knows? People just pissed off that Bob exists to some degree um, and, and that he's becoming successful again. And part of the reason is you ran into a guy on your latest trip to PXG that kind of also captures the essence of why they have become so successful. How many sets of irons did the guy own
1: of PXG? Uh, he told me he bought 26. Now <laughs> I know that that's a kind of an eye-opening number, and you're like, "Well, what the, well, what are you going to do with 26 sets of irons?" And you know that was sort of my logical question as well. And you know he explained to me that he was a member at six different clubs. Which, all right, you know, 20, 26 minus six still leaves us 20 unaccounted for. So so then he explains that basically every time PXG came out with a new iron, new new set of clubs, something new, he bought it. And so pretty quickly you can see how that, that multiplies and he mentioned that he bought a couple of sets for friends and things like that. And so, you know, while well, well I think twenty six is definitely not the typical quantity of sets that a that a PXG customer buys. It's it's certainly not unusual for for men, gentlemen, women who are who are members at multiple clubs to essentially buy a set of clubs, set of PXG, to leave at every club they're a member of, one for home, one for travel. I mean, it, it adds up and he's, he's selling a lot of them to an affluent audience for sure.
0: Discuss how that makes things different. Meaning, let's take other brands like Callaway or Titleist or whoever that has then tried to now come out with irons in that similar price range, right? Where here's the difference in my opinion, we've talked about this previously too, and that's if you own a set of title irons, that let's say, you know, the ones that are how much are the C sixteens, Tony?
1: I'd have to check. They're up there. I mean they're they're certainly spendy. So but if
0: you own a set of titles C sixteens and you've paid almost the same amount of PXGs, at the end of the day, when a buddy looks in your bag, you still own a set of titles, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean you wanna some people call it elitist, you can call it exclusive, whatever you want, but the reality is there's no there's no entry level PXG at this point. So well somebody might spend thousands of dollars on a set of epics if they see it as a as a status symbol which certainly some will argue there there is that element to pxg you know, if somebody's buying a Callaway Epic or a, or a C16 for, for status, the reality is you, know, you might know that you have something a little bit more special, but you know there's, there's literally thousands of other guys and probably a couple dozen at your home course that have Callaway or Titleist in the bag. So you're never going to reach that level of exclusivity. And you know, we can talk about whether that's ridiculous or not, but the reality of it is it's just not going to happen with those other brands.
0: It is what it is, meaning there are people out there buying those and there aren't people buying 26. 26- sets of epic callaways or c16 titles
1: i doubt it i mean who knows i mean certainly callaway has some huge fans out there but i, I think yeah it's probably a stretch to to think somebody's at that number
0: point being that's the difference and you know how pxg is succeeding to the degree that they are succeeding they have people that are rabid fans of their irons to the point where they're buying 26 of them at a pretty steep price tag so you can quickly see how they're starting to be successful so we talked about you know how they are different in regards of people buying that many sets. How is the PXG HQ golf course experience different? So when you go play golf there, compared to all the other OEM trips that you go on, OEM meaning when you go on a trip to Titleist or Cobra or... I don't, I don't think we've been to Titleist in quite some time, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you get my point. We've been on a lot of manufactured trips where you get to play golf. How is the experience different? I mean, I saw a whole a video of you playing with like 16 people, you know, Pat Perez and Han and all these professionals and Lydia Ko, and
1: you're all playing on the same hole. Would you ever see that happen at any other trip you've been on? Uh, short answer, no. I mean, I, I've been given this a lot of thought trying to find a, a way to express what this is that PXG and Bob Parsons are building here. And, and Obviously, it starts out with the fact that, to the best of my knowledge, there's no other OEM that also owns a golf course. Or actually, I should say golf facility, because now Scottsdale National is two 18-hole courses plus the absolutely insane bad little nine. So, starting there, there's there's not another OEM that can bring you out and say, hey, you know, spend spend a couple of days at at our full-blown golf facility, right? That doesn't exist anywhere else. And then there's what I've started to call a, a, an emerging PXG culture where it's not unusual to go to an OEM event and have, you know, an athlete or two on site. You know, I've even played with, I did an event where I played with six holes with Bernard Longer for an Adams event. But the way PXG does it is incredible. I mean, you'll go out with a, we went out as a fivesome. In my group, there was a, a PXG customer who I think he had said he would bought you know, half a dozen, give or take sets of irons for, for the various he, clubs he plays. There was another medium member, uh, myself, and then I played with uh, Ryan O'Toole from the LPGA and and, and Paige Spironik. 18 holes, full-blown, just the five of us, and everybody else there was had a group that was similar makeup, and then, you know, afterwards we did a cocktail reception, and after that kind of a bunch of groups took off to the Bad Little Nine, and... You're talking about a situation where you had multiple, I think, you know, two of the PGA guys, so James Hahn, Pat Perez, uh, Lydia Ko, Ryan O'Toole, Allison Lee from the LPGA, Archie Bradley from the Diamondbacks. Uh, I mean, just this huge collection of professional golfers and athletes, and the media guys were out there too. And we're literally, I couldn't tell you, 14 of us at least, and everybody is teeing off and playing the hole together. Everybody out there all at once playing this – Amazingly ridiculous, fun, difficult par three course that Bob built, and you're kind of deep into it, and you're like, "My God, this is this is a crazy experience that doesn't happen anywhere else in golf right now." This is part of the PXG culture that Bob has created. I, I mentioned it to one of the other guys, and you know, it's, it might be premature to make this analogy, but to me, Scottsdale Nationals sort of becoming like the playboy mansion of the golf industry where it just this this mixing and mingling of in this case athletes instead of models but celebrities and again like i said just the media guys there to to sort of document everything and, and say holy cow this this actually happened and there's really nothing else in golf like it right now
0: all right so obviously you had a lot of fun everyone's jealous
1: jackass we get it I, did I mention I played with Paige? Apparently that's a big deal. Honestly.
0: Yes, you are her good luck charm, too, and you were there for a hole-in-one when she played with her brand-new set of irons.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. so this is great. So Paige, on the on the second hole that we played, that's uh, par 3 at Scottsdale National, I couldn't tell you. I think it was number 16. Hits, I believe, a 9-iron in the par 3. Ball disappears. You know, everybody but Paige knows it's in the hole. She's not willing to accept it, so she doesn't get too excited until we actually get to the green and take the photo. This is literally the first swing she's ever hit with a brand new nine iron that she just got. And because the stuff at the time is under embargo, we can't even take a picture and share the fact that she got this hole-in-one with a new PXG iron. So kind of really like the most subdued part uh, hole-in-one celebration you ever see, but, you know, still pretty cool to, to be there for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of gets to the point I was trying to get at in regards to the experience you had there. Obviously we can't all play golf with the Pace Viernax and the James Hans and all these people, famous people. Right. But it gets to the point where I go, look, golf has some issues. One of them is golf needs to be more fun and laid back and loosen up a little bit, you know, and there's no dress code at Bob's course. I mean, you can go out there in your underwear if you wanted with no shirt, as long as you don't get in the way of other people having fun. And then you're out there being able to play in a group like that where everyone's teeing off. And I watched the video of you guys. I mean, look, that. I mean, you could see how much fun people were having with that, and that's the way golf's supposed to be. And I don't know. When I watched that video, I just went, "Man, golf's problems can be solved pretty easily by just loosening up a little bit, you know, have a little more fun."
1: Well, yeah, it's it's a remarkable contrast, right? Because you, I think people obviously form perceptions of of different people they see, you know, on the internet or on TV or whatever, and you you don't know them and. You know, so you you work off those assumptions. and certainly when you when you see a guy like Bob who, you know I think we can say is is safely a billionaire and who has this exclusive golf facility, i I couldn't imagine what you know the actual membership costs and the dues are and things like that. But the only rule at that facility which you would expect right at this level would be, tend to be more stuffy, but the only rule is basically don't do anything that's going to interfere with anybody else's good time. And so as you say, you know, nobody cares. And and this would, I think this would be true on any given day. You know, nobody cares that there's 12 people ting off on one hole if they're not holding anybody up or interfering in anybody's good time. Nobody cares if you're out in shorts and a tank top. You know, I think Bob told Ryan O'Toole she could play in her bikini if she wanted to. And, you know, she didn't really even understand, you know, she wasn't sure that he was serious. I'm like, no, that's that's the rules. You, know, you wear whatever you want. You're out here to, to play a game and have fun. Like, let's not get wrapped up in all this pretentious nonsense. It's it's totally unnecessary to the game.
0: Like I said, the billionaire aspect of it means nothing. Meaning any golf course could implement these rules. Could you know loosen up a little bit, allow things to be a little bit more fun. I mean, the things we run into locally around here in regards to working with golf courses and doing things, it just blows your mind. So Bob seems. Like have it right when it comes to having fun at golf courses that's for sure And it looks like you had a lot of fun so um let's get to the actual
1: well i guess before we get to the iron there's irons what are we, is that what we're talking about yeah before we get to the
0: iron let's discuss some of the outrage that is on the internet we should just have call-ins right now for some of the people that hate bob hate the price tag he puts on things and hates everything about pxg and go look man <laughs> Price is relative. You know, if you can afford something, you can afford something. If you can't, you can't. But I don't go out to the people that make cars that are out of my price range and scream and yell at them for coming out with a product that, you know, was out of my price range. It doesn't make any sense to me. I can't afford PXGs myself, but that doesn't mean that I can't appreciate a guy pushing the envelope in the industry, which he has and like we predicted three years ago, would trickle down to the rest of the industry and they would start looking at things he was going to do and start implementing those things in his and their designs as well, and they have.
1: I think first thing I'd say is I think we're probably more concerned about what people say about Bob, or at least pay more attention to it than he does. I mean, certainly we you know we've heard every insult hurled at him. <laughs> I understand where it comes from, right? Like this idea that in a situation where golf is is on the decline, you have this guy who who comes in out of nowhere and starts selling clubs, you know, three hundred dollars an iron, raise the price to three fifty an iron, and now with the Gen Two, four hundred dollars an iron. So it's like, you know, golf should be more welcoming, and, and here's this billionaire who thinks he can come in here and sell clubs at this elitist price level, and you know, so I get that, but at the end of the day, right? PXG's existence hasn't done anything to reduce the availability of clubs at another price point. So, you know, if Bob wants to sell irons at $400 a piece, good for him, so long as, it, you know, he doesn't come in and go, and while I'm at it, I'm going to buy every other golf company and raise the prices of those clubs too. It's not really an issue, right? You, you have other options, and you may want PXG, and, you know, I may want a Ferrari, but we all have restrictions. You know, one of the things I think that's at least worth mentioning first There's a higher level of service with with PXG than you get with another brand, right down from the fitting, right? 40-something vans that have full complement, you know, over 300 shafts, all the heads. The fitters will spend an hour minimum with you, and if it goes longer than that, so be it. Nobody really seems to care. And, and once you've got the PSG clubs, they encourage you to come back in, get your, you know, they call it a, a spec check, come in, do another mini fitting, and if minor adjustments need to be made, no big deal. And if you need to go into something completely different, they they offer that at an affordable price. Tony, I think you would agree that. You can say a lot of
0: things about Bob or PHG, but one thing I think you and I can definitively agree on that is he takes care of his customers well.
1: Oh, he, he absolutely understands that as much as he is selling product, he's selling an experience, and with that comes a level of customer service that I think is, for the most part, unheard of. Again, in the golf industry, every detail, absolutely every detail, is considered.
0: Anyway, uh, let's get to the Iron Man. So, what is this iron, and you know, I, I know that Bob says that he only comes out with something when he's found something that is better. So I would assume that this second gen iron means the first gen iron is now the second best iron ever made. made he says
1: that is uh, that is the story from PXG, right? The the new O311 Gen 2, which is actually a family of iron, so four distinct models in the set plus the plus an updated driving iron is now the best iron ever made, and that makes the original the second best. Uh, and you know, take it for what it's worth, but I would expect bold claims from PXG.
0: Yeah. So you got to test those out there when you were at the PXG facility. So what did you think about them? What can you tell golfers about them? What makes them better than Gen 1?
1: Well, the the talking point certainly is that they're better in every way. And so we're talking, you know, ball speed, faster ball speeds, more distance, higher launch, higher peak trajectory, tighter dispersion, a little less spin. Better looking iron for sure, and uh, better turf interaction too, which is something you and I have talked about with the originals that we felt kind of needed to be addressed. So that, that's kind of the, the quick points and, and how we get to better in every way, if you will.
0: Obviously, saying longer distance, higher launch, lower spin, higher peak, all this stuff, right? So you got to test them. Would you agree with most of, most of those claims?
1: Yeah, I, as much as it pains me to admit it, yeah. I think they've done another fantastic job. And we did probably as much apples to apples as you're ever going to do in a fitting event. So we started out with my 0311 7-iron, which currently has a Project XLZ 6.5 shaft in it. We matched it up with the new... 03 11 gen 2 p iron which is the linear match for the original put the same shaft in it and and started out by comparing the numbers and absolutely i saw everything that bob said i would see there so again the higher launch a little bit lower spin but with the steeper descent angle certainly not a concern um, about a half a club longer on a on a typical shot and maybe even a little bit better uh when i when i really got to hold of it i
0: was hitting the 700 like 215 i mean
1: how far are these how long are you
0: hitting these irons at this point?
1: Well, I mean, so again, we're at Arizona, so the climate's a little different than than what I was typically used to, but I was I was steadily one hundred and eighty yards with the new seven iron about one seventy five, so with the other give or takes about, you know, ten yards longer. So I I, I tell people one sixty five is, is my good seven iron distance here at home. So I'd expect to be a little longer at down in arizona but not that much longer and when i tried the xf 7 iron it was 190 consistently and i'm like my god and again we we can talk about jack lofts and things like that but it, it launches high it lands soft and it's it's absolutely insane yeah we we will
0: have that i think we need to do a podcast or a discussion on you know jack loss one day it's just so
1: yeah and, and we should we should be upfront about the fact like this is not strictly a pxg thing maybe they're a little longer than than some of the others that are kind of in that category but the reality is you know this loft jacking is easily overcome by by changes the way the irons interact and produce more dynamic loft and more speed so you do get this this higher launch and steeper descent angle in a ball that you know stops as well as it would if if the spin number was kind of off the charts. So, and again, like I said, just about everybody's doing this now. I just think you know at this point PXG might be doing it a little bit better with the new iron. So
0: you obviously played the 0311s before they were in your bag, or the what do you have in the bag now?
1: So yeah, I mean you know how I am. I kind of go back and forth with a lot of different things. So 0311s, I played steadily for two years, which is basically unheard of for me for an iron. Did some experimentation with the one length, and I may try it again, but you know, let's just say it didn't go well for me out of the gate. Not that much of anything went well for me last year. Most recently, the, the Mizuno MP18s, a, a blended set there as well, um, that I that I really love, but. You know, the performance I saw from the PXG at least while I was in Arizona and right there's a honeymoon period, but you know, I'm going to start the year with them in the bag, no question. What did you got for what did you end up
0: with the combo set
1: of? Yeah, so I mean, there's still a, a part of me that that thinks yeah, I can I can handle that tour iron at least in the in the short irons. Uh it's it's over my head and I'm going to admit that. So we didn't go that route. We did do a combo set of XFs and P's. I uh, did four through six in the xf and man i you know seeing that 190 yard seven iron i I really thought long and hard about taking it all the way up to the seven but i i settled on on keeping it the six and there's a part of me too because we haven't talked about the the sgi yet which is the the fourth and entirely new model this year i actually gave some thought to even a four iron in that because i mean it's this iron is massive right big wide sole thick top line definitely longer blade length and you know, with the way the, the iron is kind of the, the curves and whatnot. They do a decent enough job hiding the bulk, but it's still a big iron. But my God, it just goes and it goes high. And, and really what I think completely differentiates the, the, the 0311 Gen 2 SGI from anything else in that category is is the feel, where the feel of that iron is almost indistinguishable from the, the Tor iron, which is essentially a blade. And you, you don't get that in that category. You just don't.
0: Hold on. We forgot to mention the new
1: material that goes in the new goo. Right. Yeah. So there's this new goo. Uh, TPE is gone. They spent a lot of time trying to figure out how they could refine and make the the new iron better while still using the TPE. And eventually they realized that if we were going to actually get all the things that Bob wants us to get out of a new iron, we need a new material. So they went out and found this new polymer. Uh, That's what they're calling it. It's called Core 2. It's a new polymer. They're not saying exactly what it is, except to say that it's definitely not foam it's basically more responsive than the TPE, which is where the the increased speed comes from and, and really elements of the improved feel as well.
0: So when do you think they will come out with a new PXG Gen 3?
1: Well, it, uh, it took them three years to, <laughs> to get this one. And honestly, just, and I, you know, anytime you see kind of a, a new iron that you really love, you're like, man, you know, where, where the hell do they go from here? And that that's especially true here because I, I just don't know, you know, how much higher can you make it go? How much faster can you make it go? So I, I think three years at least is a reasonable projection.
0: Okay. Well, I guess in
1: Bob Parsons voice, we'll talk again in three years, brother. Sounds good, man.